Hello, Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown podcast. Let's jump on that sober train and ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. And today we have the one and only famously famous Chef 56. Hello, Chef. Oh, it's great to be here, Grifter. I'm so blessed that you've asked me and and so blessed that I'm part of the of the I am sober community and other communities um, because connection does defeat addiction. Yeah, I am Chef 56 on the app. I'm Professor Rick uh, Warner in real life. I'm very out, so I'm fine with anybody sharing that. Um, I teach history at a small college in Indiana called Wabash College. Um, and I was a chef for uh, 10 or 11 years. And then I went back to school and became an historian. And I've been teaching uh, undergraduate uh, history for 22 years now here. Um, and uh, really enjoy it. I also, I still can do a lot of food. I still cook about, still teach about uh, the history of food in my courses. And I teach uh, my students uh, how to cook. Um, and in fact, all my students are young men. So that's probably a really good thing. Um, so yeah, I, li I live a charmed life. I and mean, then my, my life uh, had a lot of um, uncharmedness in it for a long time that I wasn't quite aware of because I was medicating myself. Uh, with over two bottles of wine a day. Nobody in my life had any idea, not even my wife really knew. Um, and uh, since I've given that up, life has gotten an awful lot better. Um, and uh, anyway, so I'm going to deliver a sermon that I have already delivered before um, in January in the, in the church, First Christian Church, where I, where I go in, in my hometown here. Um, and I decided to, to deliver it verbatim as I did in January, because it's an historical document. And honestly, the ideas don't age anyway. Um, they, I think that they, they go on forever. And so it's called, um, Can We Really Change? And it's in, it was given on Jan, in the middle of January of 2021. So I said, it's January. It's time for resolutions, everyone. I imagine that many of us have made our annual January resolutions recognizing fully well that these are largely likely to fail. But we continue to do it, much to the pleasure of the multi-billion dollar diet industry. It's like a January rite of passage in our society. You make resolutions, you expect them to largely fail, and then you move on. But what if we really want to make a major change in our life? Is that even possible? I used to believe that it was not, but my views have changed. Now I believe that it's indeed possible but it is hard. Today, I will share my spiritual reflections on the process of radical personal change from one episode in my life that I believe might be helpful to making life changes more generally. I'll get right to the point. As Reverend Darlin reminded us last week, for Christians, the month of January is represented by epiphany. From a theological perspective, this refers to the eye-opening recognition of the divinity of Jesus with his baptism by the Magi. More common terms, the word epiphany has come to mean an often very personal and startling recognition of the truth of something. The starting point for my remarks today was an epiphany that I had, not in January, but in July, most specifically at 2 a.m. on July 27, 2019. At that specific moment, I resolved to stop drinking alcohol. I've not had an alcoholic drink since. Now, almost 18 months, and now actually over 20 months, I truly hope that my discussion of this matter does not make people feel uncomfortable. It comes from my heart, and I, I feel no nervousness, nervousness at all discussing the matter. At the same time, I need to say that I will never discuss the addiction of another person. Given the unfortunate shame that our society often places upon alcoholism and other addictions, that's an important principle. Part of why I'm speaking to you today is to help us move beyond that public shame. Many of you know me as a basically well-rounded, if occasionally kooky guy. I've enjoyed two careers, one as a chef and one as a college professor here in town with my wife, Carrie. And I've raised a couple of awesome kids. I tend to have a lively vegetable garden and had numerous friends at our house just down the street, which I affectionately call the 308. But until that fateful day in July, 2019, I kept a dark secret. 
is I routinely, routinely consume too much alcohol, mostly in my kitchen space. After months of trying to moderate numerous blackouts and growing inattention to all areas of my life, I recognized that I needed to stop. That was my epiphany early that morning. Today, I'd like to share what I've been learning in these months because there are many life lessons applicable beyond my own journey that could prove helpful to others. There have been many surprises and many epiphanies along the way. But for the sake of clarity, I'll boil this down to three basic aspects or phases. First, there was the epiphany. In the days following my initial recognition of what I needed to be done, I recognized that as accomplished as I may have been in other areas of my life, I did not have the power over alcohol, but rather it had power over me. I had to admit that on some level, this change was in God's hands. Like many overeducated people, I'm not inclined to feel that way. But there it was. For the time being, I needed to hand the wheel over to higher power. I was hearing the promise of the words in Isaiah. I am about to do a new thing. I will make a way in the wilderness and forge rivers in the desert. Or as in Matthew, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. I realized that I, I needed to relax my contention that I could fix everything. Finally letting go of the attachment of my cleverness. I began to meditate and pray on this matter. I drew from my previous experience as a Quaker to set myself in that way. Once the initial physical detoxification had passed and I was beginning to be comfortable with the notion that only God could chart my way, another phase began. On the face of it, this may sound con contradictory. I've never been one to believe that God could actually fix things for us, but more that if we lived along spiritual principles, we can be strengthened to live proper lives. And as Reverend Darlin noted last week, we are provided with many opportunities to wage peace in this world, and it is up to us to take up that calling and do the work. Essentially, I, by admitting my powerlessness, I was spiritually empowered. I recognized that probably makes little sense, but that is the easiest way for me to explain that particular phase. While I call that first page a phase, page, stage, epiphany, I will refer to the second passage as action. One of the hugest surprises in my recovery has been that this is about so much more than the cessation of drinking. The Silver Trail is about personal growth. I began reflecting on the past. How was I being held back by my addiction? Who was harmed directly or indirectly? How did I harm myself? With whom was I angry? I spent considerable time engaging these questions. As a historian, I'm well aware of the importance of the past. So many of the problems that we experience today from social injustice to our difficulty in confronting the current pandemic are rooted in issues in our national past. It's the same with us as individuals. We need to confront our own past. However, and this is important, we can't dwell in the past. There's this term for that in sobriety, it's called being a dry drunk. We need to make things right as much as we can and then move forward. We all know people who continue to be bitter about events or behaviors in the past. Part of spiritual growth is admitting these issues, doing whatever we can to amend the situation and then moving forward positively. This is a spiritual matter. We need to admit these issues in our prayer and meditation. And with the help of God, however we conceive of divinity, we must move forward past any lingering bitterness. This is a continual process, not a one-shot deal. A reflective life is most definitely worth living. In my experience, this so-called action phase cannot be accomplished alone. Social people like myself in particular absolutely need others to help them in their journey. In my own case, this support first came in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. There I found fellowship with numerous other people in recovery. I literally went to a meeting every day for several months. 
to a large degree, I owe these friends for whatever success that I continued to have. But then I also found another community of support, much broader in numbers and by geography. A friend introduced me to a computer app called I Am Sober, where thousands of people around the world share their stories of recovery. As with other digital connections during the pandemic, this community has proved amazing, provided amazing opportunities for engagement with other people in recovery. And in fact, I'm happy to relate that we are being joined in the virtual pews this morning, back in January, um, by people from all over the world. There were people listening and listening later to the tape version and listening to this version uh, from the US and Canada all over, as well as New Zealand, Australia, England, Ireland, Scotland, the Netherlands, Germany, Slovakia, Slovenia, um, Switzerland, Japan, India, and South Africa, and I've probably missed some. We know one another by our screen names, Raulito, Kali D, Jordan 0920, British Gen, Rebirth, Peace One, Aquamarine, I'll add Drifter, and so many others. And now, of course, I'm, people are mad at me because I haven't added theirs either, because <laughs> there are hundreds of us. Um, some of us connect, have connected outside the app platform on email or messenger. Um, and we've also been meeting via Zoom since last April. The takeaway point here is that it's the importance of connection. Connection beats addiction. I have been blessed by a supportive spouse, spouse and normie friends, but I need to connect with other people who are in the sober struggle that, that to be able to maintain my sobriety. This is one reason why people with 10 years or more sobriety continue to attend recovery meetings. This is also why some diet programs benefit from group Zoom calls as dieters connect with one another in their recovery from overeating, for example. Connection is the opposite of addiction. So the third phase and the final and current phase of this recovery is reaching out to others. At some point in our struggle, no matter how we are working on it, we come to realize that we should naturally be helping others. The profound spiritual and personal awakenings that we experience naturally compel us to, to think about others. The rooms of AA and the platform of the I Am Sober app are two places that I naturally feel inclined to pay it forward. As you make changes in your own lives, you no doubt will feel the same. I still need to work on myself as a work in progress. It's true, but I now have the strength to help others through formal or informal sponsorship, for example. I freely offer my time to you as well, to anyone you know, if you or they would like to talk about the recovery process, because I need to continue to pay it forward. But this last point is hardly foreign to my congregation at church. There are so many people there who have interpreted their spiritual life as a call to action. I've traveled with some of you to New Orleans to help rebuild in the wake of Hurricane Katrina and other ventures like that. There are others who work to feed the poor and homeless in that community. There are some who work, work for peace and social justice in the community. For example, sponsoring the peace poll that we put up in our park. Uh, and some, our faith calls this to action. So epiphany leads to personal action, which then leads to the action of reaching out to others. So there you have it. Although my focus today has been on my personal story of recovery and personal transformation, I want to suggest that this process can work for us all as we try to grow and make changes in our spiritual lives. Last January, Reverend Darlin, Darla offered a stunning series of sermons on personal growth. These actually were based around ideas from the 12 steps and that are used in many recovery programs. I was struck at the time that she did not stress the origin of the steps, which of course I recognized from the rooms of the A. And over the last year, I've thought about her messages, realizing that these lessons of spiritual growth are relevant to us all, whether or not we are battling an addiction or any other personal growth challenge. I hope that we can all practice such reflective prayer and growth in our own separate yet connected lives. I'm going to leave you with a short prayer that I learned in recovery. And I think that many of the lessons of recovery that this prayer is applicable to all aspects of growth and other challenges in our life here on earth. You're welcome to pray with me, the serenity prayer. God, 
Grant me the serenity to accept the things that cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Peace be with you all. Thank you. Chef, thank you very much. I've like I was watching that again last night and I've watched it with my wife and I've watched it like four or five times now. And I just was like, man, we got to get this on our podcast. So, and thank you for, for bringing this to us. And it's powerful too. And then, you know, like you were talking about, you know, there's phase two, the action phase, and then phase three, the reaching out to others. Um, communities do that all around uh, the world anyway. Right. And, but they don't know they're, it's part of the 12 steps, do they? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's ironic in a lot of ways. I mean, that, you know, if, if you know the steps, you probably know that I, I based this whole structure of the sermon around three chunks of them, you know, the, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I got to give up power to be able to get power. And then, you know, now I got to do the work, right. And, you know, work, work on my, myself and the, you know, what, you know what, what some what some call you know character defects. I, that's not a big word for me, but but things that you need to work on to change, and then you just naturally, I think, want to pay it back afterwards. And so the brilliant thing to me is that I see people doing this even if they've never heard of the twelve steps, because it's kind of a natural rotation uh, that goes on. I think when people successfully recover, and it and it does. And when I got out of prison in two thousand four. I did it for until 2011 working with and because I know convicts. So I was able to work with convicts and that's the cool thing. Whatever people you know, you can work with them because there's somebody to work for everybody. Really? I think you're right. You got to be able to, you know, we, I, you know, I have a lot of normie friends, you know, as, as many people know, I like to call them muggles because they're like you know, <laughs> people in Harry Potter that don't get the wizarding world of alcohol abuse. And uh, and they're nice, you know. My wife's one. She's a very nice person, right? She'll have like two glasses of wine a month. I'm like, how the heck do you do that? Um, right. uh, but they don't really get it, right? And I, I don't expect her to get it. And I don't expect other people to get it. They can't because they're not living through that. And that's why it's absolutely critical for us to reach out to each other, Um when we hear that nasty voice coming at us, you know, saying that we can moderate or whatever the challenge is, we need to talk to each other. Uh, that's why the app is great. That's why Zooms are great. That's why programs. Well, let's great. talk about the app a little bit because yeah. when I first came on the app uh, was last April, a year ago. Um, I saw you, I saw Peace One, Little Ralito. I mean, there was all you guys that were just like, yeah. um, giving all this great information out to everybody else. Yeah. And uh, even like with me doing the podcast, everybody's like, when are you going to get Chef 56 on? When are you going to get him on? <laughs> because you've really, and here's what's really cool. And we, yeah. you and I talk about this. We are like opposites ideologically. We're just, yeah. you're one yeah. way and I'm the other. <laughs> and like yeah. you said, you're, you're almost like communist, you said. <laughs> Just about. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a burner, basically, to be honest with you. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but here we are in a world that's so friggin' divided. Yeah. We're under one roof right now yeah. with one goal in mind, and that's uh, recovery. Agreed. And, you know, one, and one good rule in AA is that you don't, you don't talk about this stuff when you're in the rooms, right? You just don't. Um, and, and, and I don't, when I'm in other, in the rooms and other guys don't, and, uh, it's cause it's the, you know, the fellowship of people trying to work the sobriety and that is so much more important. Um, it is. So uh, yeah. Uh, and then you have literally right now you have principles before personalities. Yeah. Yes. With us yeah. right here sitting right now. I think that's right. Um, yeah. And so I've been on the app since October of 2019, um, I was sober for a few months before I, I started. Um, so I have not, I've not experienced a relapse on the app. So I haven't, you know, um, I've certainly seen a lot of people have them. Um, yeah, but you've experienced day zeros way before that. Yeah, I had a lot of day zeros before July. And I, and I always try to remind people that when I'm talking to them, I, you, know, you know, I don't, for those of us who have considerable sobriety when we post on people's uh, uh, stories, I think it's important for us to, to remember that you know, we have maybe some wisdom that we've been able to gather, but honestly, 
it's still one day at a time for me. I'm one drink away from day zero. I mean, I know I am. Um, if I have, you know, if I went and had a beer right now, you know, I'd be posting on the app within two or three days that I had the reset. Um, that honestly, um, I know that more than I know anything else. Um, and we need to, so when we, when we hand out advice or when we try to talk about our experience, it's important for us to also stress that, that we too are continue to be in recovery. Um, and when it comes down to it, we're all in the same 24 hour cycle. Yep. It's regardless. True. That's true. Now it gets easier. I mean, if there are people who are listening, who are like an early sobriety and they're going, Oh my God, I can't do this. It does get easier, you know, and I'm not sure how helpful it is to hear that, but, but, uh, but I, you know, it changes over time. And um, I had a lot of, you know, I mean, I, so many things happened to me in the, especially in the first eight, nine months of sobriety that, that, uh, you know, I, I didn't have the cravings after a couple months, but I had, I had serious physical brain fog where my, the front of my head, it's like when your foot falls asleep, right? But your head falls asleep. And it's actually more <laughs> common with other drug withdrawal than, than alcohol. It's a form of pause. I, I couldn't write. I couldn't, I had to use the old lectures uh, for a whole semester. Wow. And uh, I, I think I got away with it, but because <laughs> uh, if you're a professor, you could, you can make up for personality, which you don't have in preparation. Right. So, <laughs> so you uh, had your old, old uh, lectures to fall back on. Yeah. So I, you know, I just went in there and, uh, but on the other hand, my, my memory started getting better. Right? So it used to be like, we'd be having dinner and I'd say something and 10 minutes later, I'd say the same thing. And my wife's like, you know, you just said that 10 minutes ago, right? Uh, well, that doesn't happen anymore now that I'm not in active <laughs> abuse. So but when I was drinking a lot, oh yeah, that, you know, I, I finally learned I probably just didn't talk because it'll probably, it'll probably happen again. How about the emotional? Did you go oh, on that roller coaster? Yeah. So I try to tell people about this all the time that, that um, I was, so there are a lot of things that surprised me about sobriety, none the least of which is that it's much more than like not drinking. I, I saw my emotions in ways that I never saw them before. And this was really curious to me and surprising for a while. I think I posted on the app, oh, probably a year ago, a picture of a mirror and said, this is my silver mirror. You know, I mean, I, I'm getting, I'm seeing things that I never saw before. And, uh, and at first that's, and, and other people you see put people posting it's uncomfortable for them that that's happening but it should be comfortable because then you're finally seeing your true emotions right and then the question is what do you do with them right um they're there i can see them what do i do with them right and and so it, I, i'm actually really happy so my emotions are not when i have them it's not like they're haywire it's just they're really strong feelings right you know and i'll be in a, i'll be in a zoom call with people talking about their one year you know anniversary of being sober and i'll start to cry you know <laughs> uh, that's not a bad thing right so um so i learned over so time you and lilo were over there just shedding tears all over the place oh aren't my you? god there was so much mascara running in a couple of those, those calls. i could <laughs> right. not believe it uh yeah it was amazing uh but yeah so you don't you know and so then i finally it took me a while to figure this out but this makes complete sense is that you know i never i'm not even completely sure why i drank i mean you know everyone's trying to figure out why they drank right but I think that probably one reason was to sub, was to submerge those feelings, right? I was cycling, I was unconsciously drinking to make those feelings go away, and uh, and that's why I didn't see them, right? Because they were they were in some dark alcohol drenched place, right? Um, uh, and and that's why they're new to you, right? When in your sobriety, right? Um, it is hard. You see a lot of people on the app who are like maybe six, seven months, for example. That's a really common time for this. Or people are like I thought I had this, you know, and now here I am. I'm a bloody mess, and um, and honestly, that it, we need to realize that's normal, normal, uh, and that and that you're gonna work through it. So I came when I got sober on there. I thought it was just alcohol, yeah. right? And I even wrote about this because all of a sudden I realized, oh shit, I'm not having a problem with alcohol now, but all these emotions are, are bombarding me. Yeah. So yeah. then I started working with the emotions. Then I see uh, these feelings and behaviors and I'm like, where does this shit end? Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I, I like to write about what I'm going through that way. Somebody else knows that they, they can see yep. it too. That's really good to do that. And oh, we can only speak from our own personal experience. You know, Anne Lamott says you can't tell anybody else to get sober. Other people said that too. Um, 
And so all I can do is say what's happened to me and or what I've heard from other people, but, but, uh, you know, I can't say that person's an alcoholic or that person, you know, is a, is a horrible binge drinker or whatever. I can't, right. you, you got to make your own judgment, uh, uh, for yourself about that. Right. It's got to be here for you. So then, um, we discussed that since the podcast is another way of giving back, right. um, of bringing maybe you contributing more here and there in ways that you, you want it, maybe doing other uh, interviews with somebody or maybe reading something like you've created, like you just did for us mm-hmm. um, and whatever way you want, because I yeah. want to bring everybody in and we have nobody really right now representing the 12 steps and we need right. representation of the 12 steps are so important. All right. So what's, I can see you. Yeah, I would. So um, one possibility is I can I can definitely de- see doing one or more sessions to try to show a more humane, I would say, a more humane interpretation of the steps that that people can relate to if they're not in the program, right? Uh, and I know there are plenty of people for often good reasons who 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 have a have a difficult feeling about the program, uh, the AE program, but the ideas that are there can make you think really clearly. So I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I wanted from the very beginning, I wanted to learn then throw every tool I could at this, right? Everything, right? I've been to AA, I've been on I Am Sober. I'm, I'm right now I'm on something called the Luckiest Club. Um, you know, I've done some smart recovery, you know, I've done, you know, uh, I've done all kinds of, I've read, I've read lots of Quitlet, right? Um, so I just throw everything I can at this problem because I knew that it was going to be a tough one, right? Um, and so I'm, uh, my mind is completely open to hearing about, you know, other approaches and then making sense of it in my own kind of way. And so I actually do have ways that I talk about the steps with people that, that I think um, I might make them um, feel more human, might make them more open to women. Uh, we have a big problem in AA about, about trying to update things in uh, gender-wise, um, you know, make over more open to younger people, um, you know. Um, so, I, um, and I'm not, you know, they say, they say don't promote, you know, and I don't, you know, I, attraction, not promotion. I, I have absolutely no interest in promoting AA. Uh, I really don't. But but I do think that there's some ideas that, you know, Bill W. and founders came up with that some of which have stood the test of time well, and some actually need to be re, rethought a little bit. I mean, you know, that's, the big book's got a chapter called Chapter for the Wives. I <laughs> mean, you know, where, where, where's the chapter for the husband of the wife that's on I Am Sober who's, you know, got a serious drinking problem and he doesn't, right? You know, where's that right. chapter, right? Right. I mean, Believe me, I know a lot of those ladies, right? You know, uh, and, and so it, there's a lot of ways that it needs to be up uh, that the, I, the thinking or the writing needs to be updated. But the ideas, honestly, in a lot of ways are, you know, when I when I was speaking about going through this phase of of really taking a hard look at my life, you know, that's you know steps four, five, and six. Honestly, uh, when you're when you're looking at your what they unfortunately call character defects, so there's probably better ways to put that probably, but but things that you wish that you could change about yourself or, or you need to reinvent or refine out or whatever, or discover that's part of the process. Right. And so you don't have to use a verbiage to be able to do that. But, but when you're at six months or so, you should be working on those things. Right. Um, yeah. The, um, I found out like, and I realized this after Karina that cause when she told her story, yeah, when I, when she first started, she was like sitting up against the wall and you could just see the anxiety around her. Right. (laughs) And then by the time she finished at the end of of the the interview, she was just like glowing. And I'm like, wow, she just did a frigging public fourth step. Yeah, exactly. And that's right. It changed her really. And she's even like, um, she's doing her and Polly are doing their own, episodes you know yeah. Polly and Karina they, yeah uh, and I know they're happy reaching out to women in particular as well and in other forms too which is really good um yeah it's amazing to watch people grow you know we've seen people that you know didn't want to come on the zooms and then maybe they would come and they'd like not put their camera on and they would get gradually get more you know comfortable uh with others and, and talking about their situations and yeah uh, 
it's um you know i i'm often i often forget about that my wife my wife is always like you know dude you never uncomfortable i actually am never uncomfortable i just you know i'll stand up in front of a thousand people and talk and i will not feel uncomfortable i i don't know whether it's ego or what but uh i just not right she's like you gotta remember other people get uncomfortable right? well so, i, I really, sensitive to that right <laughs> i really have a i struggle in the zoom meetings um yeah. and i don't know if you knew that but i do no. because and you know I've, I've been giving a lot of thought to this even in grade school or junior high I could not talk in front of the class. So when I get into these, like more than a a few people's settings, I've left the zoom meetings and it really went into like that vulnerability hangover thing that has just floored me for a couple of days at a time. And then I've talked with other people and they deal with that too. It's true. It's true. And, and honestly, so, I mean, I think the zooms are great for the friends on the app to put together because you know, you don't have to come in and you don't have to say you're an alcoholic. You don't have to wait, you know, you don't have to wait your turn to have like one thing you say and you can't cross talk and all that. It's much more of a friendly cross conversation between people who are all trying to get better. And um, um, so. And uh, I'm going to keep going back yeah. to the Zooms because I need to learn um, how to be able to communicate with people yeah. in those kind of settings, regardless if it's a Zoom or in life. Yeah, no, it's a it's a learning curve. Yeah, it is. But I mean, thank God for them because I mean, I think honestly, I don't. So I do know a few people who who have gotten sober just by posting once in a while, and you know, most of us have to have some kind of connection. Um, so uh, I have a really good friend named Happy Non Drinker too, who who started around the same idea the I, I did. She's on once in a while, um, but she's never been part of a program. Um, She's just been part of the app and, uh, you know, she's, she's 20 months sober, just like I am now. And, uh, uh, it's worked out for her, right. You know, we chat once in a while, uh, offline, we talk to each other, we're friends, but, but for the most part, she's pretty much just done it on her own. That's pretty unusual. It I is. Say, right. Um, and it makes me wonder if folks like that had, had as bad of a drinking problem as I did, you know, I've kind of speaking like, I don't know, what, what did you have like three glasses a day or something, girlfriend? You know, well, so I just had Todd on. Um, and I just interviewed him the other day. He's an introvert. He's out of Australia. He's he's a chiropractor and I've only seen him pop up here and there because he describes that he's like a hermit crab that will stick his head out a little bit. Somebody will say something and he'll jump back in his shell real quick. Yeah. Yeah. But he is at 10 months right now doing the same thing quietly in the background and now he's going to be our content editor for the that's website. Great. Yeah, that's good. Well, and so he's on that third, you know, section there about giving back. So he uh, is. Uh, that'll be good for him long, long term. But yes, everybody's different that way. I mean, I think, you know, more power to you if you can pull it off without any help. But but uh, truthfully, the reason why recovery programs are still in business is that most people do need some connection. So And my vision with what we're doing right now with the podcast is to yeah. bring everybody in. Yeah. under one umbrella and people can click through the episodes and, and yeah. decide well because i don't a lot of guys may not be uh into hearing all the women's stuff right but then there's other somewhere in there just like an ias right they'll find something that they could they'll hear and it, it will work yeah yeah it's good i think as long as everybody you know um maintains a certain re- uh, respectability for others um you know and then if they don't then we're around to kind of make sure that that that's changed um, well, on the podcast uh, that that's yeah. no nothing yeah. has to be published no that's true yeah so if anybody i mean but as yeah. i see the ias app is man too bad the world can't run yeah like, <laughs> I, really i totally agree <laughs> Everybody the is so as much love as the sober community on IS that we'd be all set. <laughs> oh my God. It's give, 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 give. Yeah, I know. That's probably like the Quaker community. That just yeah, yeah, like really, really yeah. blows me away. Simplicity. That yeah. you were a Quaker. Yeah. Well, you know, what's really funny is that, is that, you know, there's a couple of branches of Quakers and one of, one of them is a little more theolo- is more theologically conservative, which is not the brand that branch that I've come up in, but, but they don't drink. Right. <laughs> And, you know, and I was, you know, from the, I, 
was am from the branch that where drinking is okay, right? But so now I could actually go to the other ones too. So <laughs> right. You can, I could be a Mormon if I wanted to, right? Or a Muslim. You know, I have all these other choices now, right? You can, and that's yeah. what's really cool about sobriety yeah. is you can recreate yourself. You can't all oh, completely. That's what that's what those mental steps are about, I think, um, is the beginning of that process. And yeah, you know, I'm so I'm I didn't say in the introduction, but I am 64 and a half, uh, be 65 in July. Um and uh, I'm very conscious of, um, of the limited time I have left on this earth. And uh, that's motivational for me to think about what I want to do and who I want to be. And uh, I'll work another five years because you can work as a professor until you're 70 without too much trouble. Um, and, uh, and I like it, right? Um, but I, you know, I'm trying to find places where I can you know, live my life according to principles that I think are important. There's actually only two of them. They're very simple. One of them is do whatever you can for the rest of the world. And the second one is have a lot of fun. Right, man. You can't you forget have that a lot of second fun. one. You can't forget that second one. Right? And that's the beauty of sobriety. It is. It's just different kind of fun. But you can, you know, I have a lot. Everyone thinks I have a lot of fun, right? I do, right? You so, do. Look, yeah. I'm sitting at the desk that I used to be sitting at, pounding my beer away, miserable, drunk texting and blackouts and my world was shit and i'm having a blast instead right now i'm having a blast talking with you i know i know it's just yeah you know i I find that you know people are looking for the real highs that have you don't have the real highs anymore that were artificially produced with drugs and alcohol but but you have a really peaceful high that sort of sticks right uh and you can have some fun too uh, about a month into sobriety, I did a benefit. I'm, I do a benefit here that's called Dining with the Chefs. And we it's like a fundraiser for a local health clinic <clears throat> and uh, for poor people. And uh, and so people come and they, they pay a hundred bucks to to have a meal and watch chefs get up there. And, and I and I'm like the I started it out a bunch of years ago. So I'm like cool. the MC on the stage. And so I was doing a gig up there with this other guy, and we had the, we each had the uh, mixers going dueling mixers so we played like dueling banjos while they were going <laughs> right. song you know uh, uh and then uh, there, there's, there's, a, there's a scene you and i can both relate to with our different ideologies right so uh so they got that that music going and and just out of nowhere uh, the, the other chef and i started dancing like a, a jig right and people were cracking up and and a friend of mine came up to the to the floor mc and said how much has warner had to drink <laughs> and, uh, and he goes and that was in your sobriety, right? That was a month into my sobriety, right? Wow, so that, that is just know, so cool. Uh, now they wouldn't even ask because the whole town knows that I don't drink. But, uh, but uh, you know, at the time, it's like, how much has he had to drink? He's up there kind of fucked up. No, he's not. He's just, he's just being Warner, right? So anyway. And that's cool that you've been able to come out yeah. of the oh, closet where your whole friggin' town knows. Oh, I'm totally. In fact, we're. I'd be honest with you. We're we're actually we're actually having a student recruitment weekends. Uh, there are guys that are that might come and they're deposited. And I, I sat and ate lunch with a with a really nice woman and her son from Austin, Texas, and we started talking about stuff. And and uh, I don't know how it came up, but I ended up telling them I was in recovery. You know, they haven't even come to the college yet, and I'm already sharing that I'm in recovery. You know, <laughs> uh, and if you know, of course, you know, and, and honestly, I never get anything except for well, that's really great. You know. Um, but uh, you li- you literally put your sobriety on when you dress yeah. in the morning. Yeah, but it's basically on my back. And yeah. I, but I always I always have to say though, as I did in the sermon, is that you know anonymity is really key because not everybody. You know, if my wife had the problem that I have, she could not be that way because she's a second grade teacher, right? Uh, and there would be a lot of sort of shame and blame. You know, I'm an aging, you know, you know, tenured, you know pretty well liked professor uh who's not going anywhere you know honestly so you can say what you want oh yeah i mean really <laughs> uh, uh you have no idea <laughs> i can i can say you know and i'm never going to do anything wrong but i can definitely no one's going to judge me for being an alcoholic they're just not right, uh, right. and, I and that's no the problem. stigma that we every there's so many people worried including me I, uh, yeah. well my past is what i really uh, tried yeah. to keep hidden but even now with the podcast yeah. I had to say, okay, what? Well, screw it. Yeah, here it is. This no, is now, and now it's the point where people like I had a colleague who had a student who told, came to him and said he had a drinking problem, and so he, you know, he sends the student to me. Right? Uh, I had my own doctor 
who I who, uh, who I initially came out to uh, right after I decided I needed to quit uh, is now actually referring people to me. <laughs> That's uh, great. And, uh, you know, so I can talk to them and try to get them into the rooms or someplace where they can go and, 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 and get so and because I'm like, you know, I'm wearing it on my my sleeve and because uh, it should I mean, you know, if, if I had a broken leg, everybody would say, I'm sorry, you have a broken leg. Right. What can I do for you? Um, do you I, refer people to the IAS app, too? I have um, not a lot, but I have, I've, you know, I've told them about it. Um, uh, most people here are more inclined to go, end up in AA um, as a as a strategy. I actually found out about the IAS app from somebody in the rooms, and and she she's on there. She's actually five years sober, but she never uses it. And so every now and then, I I say I mean, she reads it once in a while. She knows she goes, "Well, you you've been on there quite a bit." Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but uh, and I, so I don't. I think that there's one of the person who's on there too. And I think she's still pretty anonymous. So I won't say anything, but, but, and she doesn't, she, I don't know she's posted in eight months, but, um, but, but she follows it. Right. But other than that, uh, I think what's really amazing. And I actually mentioned this in my post that I did to celebrate the, uh, the one year anniversary of, of, uh, of Carpe Diem from England, who, who just turned, turned a year sober. I, you know, I'm amazed that, I know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, I mean, it, it, when you've been on it for as long as I have, you're going to know people. I mean, and I, but I've only in real life met two people out of all these people. Right. I met rebirth who lives in, she's Tracy who lives in, in uh, Cincinnati. And I met East guy uh, because she has, Elaine has got uh, Hoosier uh, connections and she was on. The she's sitting with Polly right now. Oh, um, God. Doing- doing so jealous follow-up yeah. Yeah. yeah and i'm sure paulie's gonna want to get with you oh i'd love to i'd love to have a convention and try to get everybody together in some place right <laughs> oh uh, that would be just fantastic yeah. i don't think crawfordsville indiana is the place to have it but uh there might you know there might be some interesting but, but i haven't met so the, the other three people that i started the zoom with you know uh is collie and jordan and, and Raulito. i've never met them i've never met raul right i mean that's really hard for me to believe Right. And he is I a mean, pillar. He is a pillar around the. I we know each other really well. I mean, we text and whatnot, you know. But I've never physically met Ralito or Kali or Jordan. And and uh, you know, in the last year, we've been we put together these zooms, and then other people, Lauren, and other people started right after us to help. But and I haven't met Lauren either. Um, but um, that's amazing to me. That well, I, I was just so- coming in when you guys started this. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, how, how can you feel so close to people, you know, through a screen at the most, right? Uh, and there are people I haven't even met through Zoom who I feel, who I feel close to, right? Um, I, I, I didn't understand it when I got in there because I yeah. heard about the app when I was looking for a, a pill to get sober. Yeah. It was going to cost me $150 a month. Yeah. And in one of the reviews, it had a, a number, you know, just one star. And yeah. they would say they would give it zero stars that they could. I was better off on the I am sober app. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Probably like, true. Yeah. what the hell is that? You know? Yeah. yeah not, I don't know that those drugs are that great in the long run. Um, well, no, they're not. Yeah. And not, not only right that, away. Yeah, uh, but... it's just a cover. All it does is yeah. cover yeah. up what, because you're not dealing with anything. You got to do the work, man. It's as simple as that. Um, you just got to do the work. Yeah. Uh-huh. And somebody's out there. They just want to take your money. Oh, uh, sure. We got something that works for and you. The, and the truth is, you know, if you tell, take naltrexone or whatever, and, or, or, you know, anti-abuse or whatever, I mean, you know, it, it physically makes you sick if you're going to drink, but that doesn't solve. So your alcohol problem is much bigger than, than the craving to drink. Right. And that's the whole point of all those middle steps. Right. It's not going to work those middle steps for you. <laughs> it's not. And it, it's, yeah. but the first thing that has to be done is the alcohol has to be removed before right. any of the other stuff. And so it might be good in that way if, to, to deal with early physical cravings. I, I'll grant it that. But uh, yeah, but hey, I should tell you what my doctor first said to me when I, uh, tell me. When I told him I was going to sober because uh, it's he's a great guy. Um, excellent doctor. Been a friend as well as my doctor for a long time. And uh, uh, he's actually an alumnus of the college. Um, so I so I. I told him I went, I was feeling not good. I, I thought I was detoxing by myself and that's kind of dangerous. Um, could be. And so I went to the doctor after four or five days and he says, I think you're going to be okay. Um, 
now what are you going to do about your drinking? I said, dude, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drink anymore. I just can't. Right. He goes, well, that's pretty hard. I said, yeah, I know. He goes, well, have you, have you thought about AA? <laughs> and I said, really? I said, you know, you know what we have down there? We got guys down there that are like, you know, drunks on, on drunks on, on, on motorcycles that they hang out at this biker bar. These are not my people. Right. You know, that guys in the streets or whatever. Are you kidding me? And then he goes, and he goes, you know, if you get better, you might be able to help somebody else. And I looked at him and this is my exact words. Fuck you. <laughs> because, <laughs> because he knew that was an argument that was going to work. Right. Because I, you know, I'm not Jimmy Carter. I just want to be like him. Right. I want to be the guy that's building houses for poor people or whatever. Right. That's just, yeah. By now you figured that out. That's what I'm trying to work towards. And, uh, and he knew that, right? And I go, damn it, you, damn it. <laughs> so I went down there him. and and I was right about who they were. I mean, <laughs> seriously, by and large, it's not my crowd. Um, but on the other hand, they're great, right? And I got to be really good friends and uh, went back every single day for three months. Um, and I, you know, I it, it, it worked, um, even though they're kind of, you know, that's why I say it's so good that, you know, I can be closer to people from different walks of life and, but uh, yeah, uh, so that that's how that started. But now he's referring people to me, right? So and these go. people be, have become your people, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're very in the same way that IAS people have been. I've, it's just a different tribe, you know. So that you know, the 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 IAS tribe for me is people that tend to be more educated and tend to be more female. Um, uh, but you know, we're all working the same program, right? We're all working. And that, that that brings you together in ways that are really powerful. The people in the rooms where I go, they're not reading Quit Lit. They just aren't, right? They they, they you know they they memorize the book, the big book, but uh, you know they're, they're not reading. You know, we are the luckiest or anything like that, like a lot of the rest of us are. So so it's just a different approach to different crowds. And on the flip side, I mean, I, I, there was somebody that's been coming to the Zooms recently who's who's uh, I think also has a PhD, also overeducated. They're talking about all this Quitlet. And I said, I don't want to be offensive, but I want to tell you something. Quitlet's great. It's not going to make you sober, right? By itself. It's just not, right? And, you know, and you're, we, we cannot approach this problem the way we approach everything else in intellectual life. We just can't. It's not it. You know, this does not work, right? You know, we're just the same as the plumber, you know, in the AA room. You know, we've got the same challenges, right? You know, the fact that you've read 10 Quitlick Brute is not bringing you any closer to sobriety. It's maybe helping you understand it intellectually, but... but This, this be- naked mind was actually um, a revelation for me because I've been in 12 steps. My mom put me in. I redid the math, 1977. Wow. And we, we, we've been talking a little bit about this. Yeah. So, um, cool. I could never grasp the 12 steps yeah. And with people all around me getting it, except me. Yeah. So that's 43 years yeah. of not being able to understand anything. Yeah. And then when I heard the other concept through Quit Lit, which was yeah. the Annie Grace, all of a sudden I was able to plug into something yeah. and a light bulb went off in my head. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's all that really matters is we get those light bulbs. And then I agree. I agree. Whatever you can, whatever you can brings you to it. Right. But you need to have a lot of tools. I think that that's the point, really. You, you just read the book. You have to. No. Yeah. And no, that book some... doesn't going to do you any good if you don't apply what you're learning. Yeah, exactly. You got to go back and forth between intellectual and, and, and spiritual and physical worlds, right? Um, I've got, so I like, some Quitlet that I like actually uses the steps. It's unofficial Quitlet that you can't bring into the rooms. Um, but it uses the steps responsibly. There's a Buddhist one that that does this, right? There's one, there's a, there's a yoga one. Actually. Oh yeah, uh, there's that's quite good. It's by Rolf Gates. Uh, you need to a, put a pole in your living room when you're doing yoga. Oh, exactly. There's a uh, and and then there's one by a, a guy who is a very well educated. He's a doctor. It's called Being Sober. Uh, that I really related to because he was doing all the mind games that that overeducated people do when they're trying to solve the problem, right? And he finally uh, he finally just uh, you know realized that. You know, it's not going to work. And he discusses the steps and has his own take on them in there. It's not official. Uh, and now he works. He actually is a big wig in the Betty Ford Clinic now. Um, interesting guy. Harry, Harry Hatunian is his name. 
So with the 12 steps, here we are, I'm 43 years. And now I'm the first time in my life, all these friggin' years later, after dialing with the quitlet, now I'm looking at the, the 12 steps going, yeah. oh shit. I get, the first, I didn't even know what the yeah. difference was between apology, apology yeah. and um, yeah. what's what do you do when you apologize? Oh, it's, uh, oh God, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, it's, it's something we all know. Yeah. When you make amends. Amends, right. Making and amends. I didn't know the difference. Yeah. Little Ralito corrected me. And, and I was like, at first I was like digging my heels in bullshit. I apologize. And then I jumped yeah. online and I started researching it. And I'm like, wow, yeah. this dude's right. Yeah, it's, it's, more, it's more than that. You know, that, that whole, those steps were really amazing to me because you're, you're supposed to, you're supposed to identify, you know, what, you know, who, it, who it is that you've uh, hurt and all that. Uh, and, and who need to make amends to it. And, and uh, I worked on that for a good six weeks with my sponsor, who, by the way, is also a professor. Um, so there are people in the rooms that I could relate to in my own sort of livelihood. But we need you brains. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I, his worldview is similar to mine. So, you know, he talks my talk. So that we that, even need that. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, I realized that the person that I needed to make the most amends to was myself. Wow, that's profound. This is because I mean I've worked it every which way to try to think about people who, and there are people who I had hurt, right? Um, but nobody nearly as much as I hurt myself. Yes. Um, and uh, so, but I made amends, you know, to other uh, people where it was appropriate. And the idea is you you don't make them to people that that where it might hurt them more if you made them right. Um, you know, I'm sorry I slept with that woman. Well, maybe it's not a good time to bring it up. <laughs> oh, right. uh, not that that was one of them, but, uh, um, but you know, so I think it's a, it's a good process. And then, you know, most of the people who have gone through that, I think they have relief on the other side, but it also strengthens the relationship, you know. Uh, I mean, another real big, I'm sure you've seen this theme many times, is that, is that as people are getting sober, they wish the rest of the world around them would understand them better. And, and, uh, yes, you see that a lot. Yeah. And they still having, and you got it, you know, I mean, the, the saying is you got to take care of your own side of the street. Um, and that sounds hollow after a while, but it's true. I mean, honestly, um, you can't, you know, I've, I've, I've learned to give up my ability to control anybody else. That's really kind of liberating. Right. Uh, I can't, you know, I can't control. Raul likes to say I can, can't control what anybody else thinks about me, right? And nor should I. So um, I used to be working on my side of the street. If it works out, I mean, it's particularly hard if you have a partner that's abusing, that's abusing alcohol or whatever. But but uh, but well, it's a, it's all a learning process, and one day you're not going to get it, and then then maybe one day you will. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of phases. It's interesting. There are, and you, sometimes you just be thinking, man. I, yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah. I'm not even going there. And yeah. but you're still right where you need to be. As long yeah. as you're you stay off. As long as one day at a time, you don't go near the shit and you talk with other people, then you're yeah. yeah. So let's do this. Let's okay. um bring let's get you. I mean, whatever you're a professor, so you can create whatever you want to do. Yeah. And um get you involved more. And I'm trying to bring other people in under one roof. And I think we'll be able to touch because we're all around the world right now. Right. Podcast is in 13 countries. Awesome. That's great. Right. So um, whatever we can do to bring in all the different ideas under one roof, I think is just fan a lot like how IS, IAS does it anyway. Yeah, I agree. No judgments. Um, share what you want. And then if somebody doesn't want to listen, right. they don't have to click or, or speed through it. <laughs> or just even not even listen. Oh, yeah. uh, I remember that guy. I don't want to listen to Drifter yeah, again. I'm going for Polly. <laughs> you know, that yeah. damn convict. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's going to be exciting to bring you in. And there's others that I'm talking to now that are, are going to start working on other stuff too. Yeah. Let me get, let me get some thought as to what, you know, might work, uh, what contribution I might make that would be uh, helpful. Um, and then and nothing is, um, it's not like there's deadlines or yeah, yeah. commitments. Yeah. It's with everybody. It's whatever yeah. you find, whatever, you, wherever your heart leads you. Right. And however yeah. you want to give back. 
Yeah, so what I would probably be reflecting on is, is uh, what could I offer that um, would be helpful that maybe others haven't done as much of. That's, that's probably what I'd be thinking. Well, you're unique anyway, so I'm, I, I'm sure <laughs> that you're gonna, that's going to be easy for you. Uh, you are. And then you're very loved around the IAS community. Now, the thing of the matter is that two things, because people say that a bunch. I've been on it for a long time. I, uh, I've been on it since October 2019. You know, I, I I have a lot of followers because I've been on it for so long, right? Um, and the other thing is that, you know, I do know how to put a sentence together, right? Um, you do. So, you know, and you're able to bring both sides of the road together. I hope so, yeah. And well, look at me. Yeah, yeah. Ideology. I, I would much more, uh, I have a very strong value for for being able to reach out to people no matter where they are at. In fact, well, let me tell you something. My, that my students here are from Indiana, right? You know, Corn what, would you, what would you guess their ideology tends to be? Uh, probably more conservative. <laughs> yeah. I would say by and large, middle of the road conservative. Uh, a lot of them actually didn't like the previous president, but, but might've voted for him anyway. But, but they, you know, they are, they're, they're pretty much middle of the road libertarian. They think they're libertarians or whatever, uh, and they know I don't hide who I am at all, right? They know who I am. I mean, I got the bumper stickers and you know, <laughs> like, you know, and I don't, but I don't care, right? I mean, nobody's you know, pulled your bumpers off yet. Yeah, no, nobody's done yet. And and honestly, you could ask around here; uh, it's not a problem. People, you know, if anything, they think it's funny, probably, right? But uh, and I listen to them. I've learned a lot from from these Hoosier boys in the last twenty years. I mean, I have learned a lot, right? Um, and I've I've have in a lot of ways a lot more commonality with them than I than I do with people that who I might have hung out with out in California, right? Um, uh, so you know, but you brought that kind of thinking into IAS, yeah. which is I think yeah, those bridges keeping our keeping our our minds open and available to all kinds of things, right? So, so you don't like AA, fine, right? You know, what about this? You know, so you don't like this. So, you know, did you, you know, you read this, did you like that, right? And so, um, you know, uh, I think, you know, there's so much shame and crap in the world. We don't need to really need to pile on. <laughs> oh, I know, man. It is. Not, you're walking out of this shame of your addiction. Yeah, I know. Come to get help. Yeah. We don't, the last thing we want to do is shame I anybody. I know. And so, I, I don't even, to be honest with you, I don't even watch the news or anything anymore. I, I stopped. focused on on this project, actually, than almost anything else in, ter in terms of time when I'm not working um, uh, or even time when I'm working. Um, so, I, you know. Uh, it's my it's my mission i you know i took a few weeks off a while back um from the zooms especially and, and, and it was it was noticeable yeah thanks but i i needed so it started because somebody had noted to me that i was might have been a little more overbearing than i need to be in the zooms and i and, and i do actually think it's important to to try to enroll other people to do stuff and uh, we're, we're working on that but then, so at first I was a not offended, but I was a little kind of like, oh my God, you know, uh, I didn't feel good that I, that that was true. And I thought, wait a minute, I'm just going to, I'm going to take a few weeks and just meditate on these things. And that was really good for me because I really recognized what I want to do and what I don't want. I, I pulled myself out of the organizing group of the, of the Zooms, uh, which by the way, they, they put me back in without asking. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying not to call any of the shots on this stuff. And I, I just want to be the dude in the room that, that you know, could be helpful if he can be helpful. But that was really helpful for me to think about how to position myself. But one thing I did decide is that I'm not going to cut back on the amount of time I spend on, on the silver struggle. I'm just not. Um, right. Because that's really important to me. Um, and I will continue to do that uh, wherever I think I might be helpful. Um, uh in whatever way i can so, well when you're all in it just it's it's like a vacuum and it just pulls you in yeah it is and i and i don't pretend that you know you got to remember you don't have all the answers um right uh but um i like that's I said, why i need all of you guys to come in yeah we all we i don't all know need, shit we all need each other to be reminded of that you know don't and every now and then you know you start thinking okay that guy's just a little bit on the high end here uh <laughs> right like let's draw back a little bit right uh uh don't be a trigger but uh yeah when you see me and i've said this in a post 
if you see me riding by on my magic carpet, licking all zen and shit, knock me the fuck off. <laughs> because yeah. I'm just not, I'm not there. You know, no, there's no. a lot of work. I'm 57 years old yeah. with stuff that's just deeply ingrained in me. Yeah. No. Um, it's just not going to happen. I'm just not going to like become this guy with no ego and all this other shit. Oh, well, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a constant work in progress. It never ends. But the thing is, the work is what's beautiful, right? Uh, that's what you, you sort of find that out after a number of months that it's hard, but it's actually what we do and it's good. So um, it is. So we're going to be excited to hear from you and see whatever you create. And yeah. it's going to be great. Yeah. And let's just close it up from here. And I let me do my little close here. Okay. Chef, thank you so much for sharing your sermon with us and for everything that you do with IAS and how you give back, not only there, but in your community. I mean, that's just huge, everything that you're doing. So thank you. I can really tell that you're a peacenik. <laughs> <laughs> so, born and raised, born and raised. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Sober Town podcast. Jump on that sober train and ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety and pour the poison down the sink. <laughs>